Jesus Christ. Slava Jesus Christ. Please be seated. Dear brothers and sisters in the Lord, today is Palm Sunday and the beginning of Great and Holy Week when we contemplate the giving to us a third of Holy Thursday, especially of the Holy Ghost, body, blood, soul, and divinity, and Jesus' ultimate sacrificing himself on the cross in the quiet waiting for him to arrive. 40 day, 40 hours he was in that tomb. And of course, this week is a feast, but it's also a great fast. On Tholy Thursday, which you may keep if you want, there's no fasting, but you have to be very careful on Good Friday. Keep no television on, radio. Uh, children should be very good and quiet. Make the house like the monastery and contemplative and think about all kinds of things. So today I'm going to talk to you not about the passion, as you will hear that on Friday. I'm going to talk to you about who Jesus Christ is. Now today, Palm Sunday, in the Gospel, there's a double entendre. The Jews came out to see Jesus because he had raised Lazarus from the dead. And many of them knew that he had died. They probably went to his funeral. And so when the news came that Jesus came to Bethany and raised him, they were very inquisitive. Jesus enters into Jerusalem, so we had a procession coming into our heavenly Jerusalem right here, our crown, our temple. We carried with ourselves palms, branches, and pussy willows. It says in the gospel we carried palms and willows, especially in the morning office today at uh, Matins. It was a beautiful office. Very meditative, and uh, not too many songs because it's a, a glorious day. We usually say, "Oh, Christmas songs on Sunday." We just say three songs: celebratory songs, glorifying God. And the office was taken up with Jesus entering Jerusalem and the meaning this would have for the Jewish people and for us. So anyway, Jesus comes to Jerusalem and he asks for the fold of a donkey that would be never ridden upon. So they find him that and he, they say, well, how do you know that you're going to give us the donkey? He said, he will give it to you. Tell him what's for it. He will give it to you. He comes in on a, not like a great king with chariots and beautiful horses and armored men, 
He comes in with his disciples that uh, they need one who loved him. He comes in with Lazarus, who's just risen from the dead, and has already smelt the sweetness of paradise. Martha and Mary, those people that really love Jesus. But he comes in as a humble king. And their Hebrew children cry out, Blessed to you comes in the name of the Lord. The Lord, the King of Israel. We sought the sweetness of the voice of the children and they're singing these praises. This Gospel of Palm Sunday tells us what Christendom should be. When we are one united in one church, not broken up or ridiculously, everybody promising paradise uh, from that church or this church or that church and deserting the church of Jesus Christ, the unholy Catholic church. This Palm Sunday, our brothers in Europe do not celebrate there on the Julian calendar, but we adopted the reformed Gregorian calendar because we wanted to be on the same day when the rest of Americans were celebrating Palm Sunday and Easter. Although America is sadly post-Christian now, it never was a Christian place. And we must announce to them the Palm Sunday anthem. We must call upon them to acknowledge their king comes into the city. Now this will frighten to death the established Jewish Sanhedrin and priests and the judges, elders, because he was fulfilling the prophecy of Isaiah the prophet who told us our king would come to us on the uh, burden of the ass. Come to us on a humble donkey. He would come to us but he was serving our king. Jerusalem hung all their rugs and their hangings out the window. They cut palm branches and threw them on the ground to make a royal highway to bring him into the city. It was usual in those days the king was coming to unclean the streets, line them with decorations, and welcome the king. And that's what they were doing because they were looking for a secular hero. They didn't realize he was coming to Jerusalem to do something better than be a secular hero. Therefore, Christians, the liberals, uh, the 18th and 1840, 45, and on, not only tried to destroy our religion, but they destroyed, they tried to destroy all the kingdoms. King was created by the church. Well, when Charlemagne was king, he was the first one, you know. And the last one was Carl. I have his icon in the small chapel. He was the last Holy Roman Emperor of the West. The king meant a great deal. First of all, I remember when I was in... Uh, England, and they asked me about America. They're very touched with Americans. They like them, usually. 
And they, uh, I, I said, uh, well, we have a president that we have a bicameral legislature just like England. They let them up in the lower house. They don't have the House of Lords and the Commons that we have. We Senate and we have the House House, the small House of Big House with more people in it. That's an imitation. We brought that from England with us. But we did not bring a king. Although they tell me they asked George Washington to become king, but he refused. A king is a sacramental head of state. I'll have now a secular paganism in that case. They make lip service to Christ, like God, when they put the Bible out. And uh, our vice president, when she took her notes, she put her purse on top of the Bible and her hand on it so she wouldn't touch it. And, uh, this, and once she put her hand on her pocketbook, her money. That's the God of the United States, money. Man, luxury, drinking. Drinking in moderation is okay, but God wants us to live a pure life. So I take you today, this Palm Sunday, as the children of Israel welcome Jesus through the, 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 the holy gate into the city, open your hearts and make room for Christ by leading a very pure and holy life, a life of prayer. Monks live a life of prayer. We pray about seven hours a day or maybe more. This week we'll be praying much more. Um, you should be praying much more. Get out your scriptures. Read the Bible, Passion, Death, and Resurrection. The memoirs, the apostles, the New Testament. And as you come for the four days, three days, they'll always give us those we want. And it's have most of the morning services in the small chapel. But the large services will be in the cathedral. And they'll start about 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Have a nice meal today welcome your king. Don't be cheap. Holy Thursday, have a nice meal, maybe fish, in memory of the Last Supper, where Jesus said, this is my body, take and eat. This is my blood, take and drink. And he tells us in John, if you do not eat my body and my blood, you do not have, you do not have my life, no life in you. This is not part of it. So, when, how do we welcome the king? We're making sure we make a good confession. Making sure that we don't fall into habits, of sin, our sinful habits, and purify our heart like the people of Jerusalem. They decorated the city for him to come in. Decorate your heart with prayer and love. I was reading the book of Hagerman, or not a Hagerman, Geron, an elder. And uh, he's pretty tough. But you know, he can you only have so many good years if you can really fast well. When you get older, 
and spend your time in the doctor's office trying to cheat death, you know? Uh, but now this week, we had to pay attention to the death of the Savior. But today we pay attention to his going into Jerusalem. The raising of Lazarus was the great attraction. But the most important thing was our king coming to us in humility and love, preparing himself for his passion, death, and resurrection, giving us the gift of the Holy Eucharist before he left us and said to his promise, I will always be with you. How can we better prepare our heart? Jesus tells us how to prepare the heart. Keep the Ten Commandments. Keep the Beatitudes. Keep the evangelical counsels of poverty, chastity, and obedience. Live by these standards of the Lord, and you're decorating your heart to receive him, especially at Easter. are a little bit more mystical because they have more time and their tonsures are given to the Lord in a special gift and they're required to struggle to do away with their passions struggle to prayer more tenderly struggle to tweak with scripture prevention intervention and devotion and love struggle do what our fathers did in the early church, not like the church of weakness that we live in now, all broken up into sects, and S-E-T-S, sex, what's that, S-E-S, all broken up into politics, all broken up to making the judgment for themselves of whether they're going to get to heaven or not. You're not going to get to heaven unless you do God's will. You're not going to get to heaven unless you live a ascetical life. Jesus lived an ascetical life. He prepared. He went out on the Mount of Olives and prayed. And he asked the Lord, can this cup fall away from me? Take it away from me. But the Father said, no. You have to receive the cup of suffering, of pain, of sickness, of sorrow and losing the ones you love, of disciplining yourself in such a way that you defeat your passions, not give in to them. You have to suffer. You have to drink the cup of asceticism. Jesus drank the cup in the garden. His heart was broken. He was not well received after Palm Sunday, of course, everybody was after him. How to kill him. How to get rid of him. The one person that really loved them. And of course, they would not do that if they were in a state of grace. They would not do that if the most occupation of their mind was pleasing God, especially his, his devoted son who on Friday would die on the cross. When I was a teenager, uh, I used to go from church to church 
made a beautifully decorated garden. So it looked like a garden. And in the middle of the garden, there would be, especially on the Western Thursday, there'd be a monstrous, beautiful golden monstrous with a host in it. And I used to take the Holy Sacrament. We never exposed the sacrament in the Eastern Church. We always keep it there. And I would put it in the tomb where he lay. I asked Bishop if that was fine. He said, sure, it's fine. So that we would know the true presence amongst us in the Eucharist. We would cherish it and know it would give that to us who died on the cross. But he told us the gift he was living in, that we'll never be alone. Magnificent gift in the Holy Eucharist. I bleed for those Catholics that do not appreciate the gift of the Blessed Sacrament who do not prepare by prayer and fasting to receive it and know that this is the bed of angels. Angels have come to earth bringing the sacrament to the children of Fatima. The angel of Fatima, you've heard of it. Other occasions, angels have come to earth. People said, well, where did they get the blessed sacrament in heaven? It should be on earth. I said, God does what he wants. Angels are sent by God. They're angelos, messengers. And these angels will come with that holy gift occasionally. Why did he come to the children of Fatima? They were running around, and they were supposed to say their rosary, but they had the shortened version. They just said, Hail Mary, Hail Mary, Hail Mary. That's not quite right. But in the angel Fatima came. After that, they learned to say the rosary backwards. Not only that, they, their parents would give them food to eat or lunch and things like that. They would give it away to the poor and do without the food. Which God did not require them, but they knew after seeing hell, the angel showed them hell, scared them. We should all be scared because we do not open the gates of our heart, the Jerusalem of our soul, and welcome God into a very pure holy place. It's remarkable that the most important organ of the body is the heart. You're hurt, you feel pain in your heart. Somebody disappoints you, you feel pain in your heart. You're happy, you feel joy in your heart. It's the center of your being. And the Greek fathers call it, says, our noose resides in the heart. The Greek word, art, translate, the noose is the, the real you. It's your glorified soul. Your soul is also contiguous to your whole body that keeps you alive. When you're sick, you say to the Lord Jesus, I'm sick, and please make my soul well. And some of you know, we're so sick, 
God comes and takes our souls from us, the glory of heaven, we hope, or the indignation of hell. Read Isaiah and see what he says about the Messiah. Read the New Testament and see how he lives his life and walk in his steps. Dr. Palm is mentioned in the scriptures and in the book, Holy Books, and pray for him. Take it home. Put it in your icon corner for the rest of the year. Roll Palm Run. Remember, it's the standard of your king, Jesus, who is really the only important person in your house. All the others are there because he keeps them in existence. The gateway to heaven, we have the royal doors in the iconostase. They're royal because the king enters through them. They carry the gifts and blessed sacraments of the people. And uh, we have royal doors in our house. And after well, what would you do if I profaned the world doors? What's the missing matter with that man? I thought he was a priest. Only the priest can go through those world doors because he's another type. The, priest, the deacon can go in company with the priest. A bishop can go. The bishop's just a high priest. But every priest is a priest of Jesus Christ. He carries the mark ordination of his soul in his heart. So the greatest gift of the priesthood is the priesthood, the great high priest placed his priesthood in the heart of the fools. And he participates in that. That's his treasure. So when I hear confessions for priests, I ask them, how is your heart? What do you think? Have you taken the greatest gift from God and sallied it, not taking care of it? How's your prayer? How do you breathe? The Father says, prayer is the breath of the soul. Is your heart breathing, breathing with you? Or you think about a little bit about it now and then, maybe on Sunday? My dear brothers and sisters, we're in great trouble. We live in a pagan nation, and their hearts do not breathe in union with the heart of Jesus Christ. I often think about uh, our Blessed Mother, and when the Holy Spirit came, the angel Gabriel came, announced to her, she had conceived it by the power of the Holy Spirit. And she said, let it be done for me according to your word. And Jesus' heart is formed from her blood and her body. Jesus' heart beat in union with his mother. Jesus' love and birth left none virgin and none marred. If we live there nine months, and we know if the son is there and there is a father, not a tree in there, the Holy Spirit was hovering over her all the time. And she was truly a temple of God. We should be that temple. 
purifying force. Be holy as your heavenly Father is holy. Well, that's almost, that's impossible, obviously. But we should try. We should climb the steps like uh, the ladder. Like Jacob, he he was fighting with the angel of the Lord. He didn't want to obey. So he could not win. So he walked away limping like I do these days. Not much. I get better. I go up and down. But I know when my mother was getting getting ready to leave us, I'd go sit by her bed and talk to her and give her a kiss on the forehead. I never kissed her on the mouth. Okay, I give her some disease or something. But that's for married people, that's not for other people. Not for any convict or whatever. Uh, and she would ask me. So, what did I do so wrong that I have to go through this suffering? Well, I never talked about her in her whole life, what she did that was wrong. I loved her dearly. And I always asked God to love her. And I still ask God to love her. I said, Mom, I'm going through your agony. Jesus went through his agony and then he died on the cross and ascended. Don't be afraid. So last time uh, she had an attack and I took her to the hospital and I said to her, Mom, do you want extraordinary means or do you just want medical treatment? She says to me, I don't like this. I only want medical treatment. So I was celebrating the liturgy on the 25th of March, I just left her. I said, I have to go back and celebrate the Holy Liturgy for the people. It's a feast day. And at the end of the liturgy, I was getting taken off the vestments. Father uh, Dr. Savage was waiting for me. He says, your mother is falling asleep in her room. What better thing could I be doing for her than celebrating that liturgy for her? She went to heaven as I was at the altar lifting Christ up to God. Always lift Christ up to God. Open your heart. Welcome him in. He's your king and your God. And no one loves you like he loves you. Think of the people this week who've lost. Pray for them. That they keep you in their prayers in the heavenly kingdom. Think of the way in which you can purify your life and not be selfish. But a life for God. Live a life for God. And so I had this mystic I'm reading. One of the monks who was trying to take care of he was praying, and his noose came out of his mouth, and he fell out. He saw the beauty of his interior life. And he said, when Jesus Christ died on the cross. I long for such a vision. I long to 
really love God more than I do. I tell him I love him, but like St. Augustine, I'm always holding something back. Augustine said, he's not one of my favorite people either. He said to the Lord, late have I loved thee. He says, I've always kept a little part of my heart just for myself. Some people keep all their heart just for themselves. Some people don't know how to suffer. Some people have locked the door. So anyway, I've been reading a little, a little comic book that Elizabeth brought over about the underworld, you know, Shalom. Where the souls who are, uh, were waiting for the coming of Christ, and that's, that's sort of entertaining, you know. Got some scripture in it, and, but it's still a story. They made scripture based the story to fit. And at the doors, uh, they show me in this little comic book, the doors of Hades, they're locked. They're locked so bad nobody could get out. But we know when Jesus risen from the dead, the locks were broken, and the just in Hades were taken up. And they appeared in Jerusalem. The old Aunt Susie who died 50 years ago, there she is. Dear brothers and sisters, on this Palm Sunday, welcome your king into your heart. Open your doors so that the soul of the soul who lives within your inmost being will be made beautiful with Christly ornaments for the resurrection and celebration of eternal life. Life is a gift. Jesus did not create you for nothing. But you must not give nothing back to him. You must be gratitude for the gifts he's given you, even for your pains and your suffering. For they make you mature and teach you what is life about. And with your suffering, with your prayer, open your heart. And he will fill you with everlasting joy. And when your days on earth are ended, you may have somebody come to take you over the over the road. Many saints have. But they didn't have it easy. It was difficult. The Christian life is not for us poets or the gimme generation. Just who want everything from God but don't give much to God. The Christian life is those who walk the way of the cross with Jesus. Who opened their hearts and in there he found a beautiful soul decorated with good works and lots of prayers. And then he's going to take you, an angel, maybe a saint will come for you, and you, you will come out of your soul, you'll come out of your body. You don't want to give up your body, nobody does, because your body can't work. And he'll take you for the royal glories of the heavenly kingdom. And he'll be embraced by Jesus your brother, your savior, our king. And you will enter into the golden doors and 
your prayer return in your hand, you'll be robed in white, and you'll be a beauty to behold, because from you, from your heart, shines the gift of Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.